Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 207. I'm back home in South Florida after quite possibly one of the most memorable trips of my life. It all started when I left home on July 20th for North Carolina. I spent a week at the U.S. Junior that was held at CCNC, Country Club of North Carolina. Then it was off to Golf, Illinois. Yes, of course, Golf, Illinois for the Western Amateur at the Glenview Club. After a week there, it was off to New York to Westchester Country Club for the U.S. Women's Amateur. And if that wasn't enough, the final leg, yes, I was at Oakmont for the entire week for the U.S. Amateur. There's so many people to thank. I won't go through them all here, but everyone at the Country Club of North Carolina, the Western Golf Association, Glenview Club, the incredible family at Westchester Country Club, and of course everyone at Oakmont and especially the USGA, you made this trip so enjoyable and comfortable. The players and their families were amazing. The outpouring of support from fans and listeners of the back of the range at all of these championships. Every time someone asks, hey, are, are you the back of the range guy? Well, it's greatly appreciated. It's humbling. And it makes it that much more exciting for me to move forward with more episodes and more trips to go cover championships all over the country. In these four weeks on the road, I met some incredible players and personalities that will be future guests on the back of the range. Nick Dunlap, the U.S. Junior Amateur Champion, he'll be stopping by. Thorborn Sin's been on the podcast before, but he obviously has some things to discuss after that dominant victory at the Western Amateur. So yes, Michael Thorbornson will return to the back of the range. Jensen Castle, the new U.S. Women's Amateur Champ, that episode's already recorded. It will be posted soon, and of course... I need to catch up with those two finalists at Oakmont, James Pyatt, the U.S. Amateur Champion, and Austin Greaser, the runner-up. Um, they, along with many, many others, will be stopping by the back of the range very soon, so stay tuned. More episodes will be posted shortly. Before those guests show up at the back of the range, I wanted to bring you a unique episode, very special one with someone that, like myself, helps chronicle the play of some of the best amateurs in the world. My guest on this episode is Darren Carroll. Darren is an award-winning golf photographer, and if you have perused a Golf Digest or a Sports Illustrated Golf World, if you've taken a look at any of those magazines in your day, you have undoubtedly seen his work. He is also a staff photographer for the USGA, and our paths crossed for the first time at the U.S. Women's Fourball at Merido in April. We walked those fairways in Texas together, capturing images, and, you know, those fairways actually took the shape of more of a classroom for me because I got to watch Darren work, I got to pick up some tips and tricks, and annoyed him with random questions about aperture, shutter speed, and which lens produced the best depth of field. Now, don't worry, um, Darren and I actually talked about it before we recorded this episode. We, we promised each other we can't let this episode dissolve into like a deep dive into camera technology. We didn't do that. You do not need to be a photographer to enjoy this episode. Darren shared stories about how he got into the game of golf, how he got into photography, and what excites him about both. Also in this episode, he shared stories about a handful of specific photos that are near and dear to him. You've seen these photos online before, 
So wouldn't you like to know what happened right before Darren clicked the shutter button? Well, in this episode, you will. In the show notes of this episode, you'll see a link called Darren Carroll Photo Review Minute 41. So you'll click on that link and you can look at the photos as Darren and I talk about them. I highly recommend doing this. The photos will also be on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you take a moment to find the show notes of this episode. It will definitely enhance the enjoyment of this conversation towards the tail end of the episode. As always, make sure you are following along on Facebook, Twitter, and especially Instagram. The merch store still has hats, towels, face masks. Send me an email. If you're a new follower to the back of the range, you have some questions, or you have an idea for a future guest, send me an email, ben at thebackoftherange.com. As always, rating and review this podcast in Apple Podcasts is greatly appreciated. And seriously, above all, thank you to all of the fans of the back of the range. Um, if you're new, welcome to the party. If you've been here since day one, I greatly appreciate your unwavering support. But for now, let's get this episode underway. Darren, you're at the back of the range. How are you? Well, thank you, Ben. This is a uh, this is this is a treat. I've been wanting this for quite some time, and uh, I I can I can honestly say that that you and I are now we're now colleagues. And when I say yeah. colleagues, that means that we both walk into a media center carrying cameras. Yeah, and that's basically where it all stops. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're here at the U.S. Women's Amateur at Westchester Country Club. Uh, thrilled we're able to do this in person as opposed to typically over the phone, where most of the interviews happen. But uh, we're here covering uh, this this great tournament at this great facility. Um, I know what my week's been like so far. How's your week been at at Westchester? Long. Yeah, oh, okay. it's, it's a long day. Okay. Uh, every day's been a long day. I'm looking forward to today. The day that we're doing this is the. Uh, quarterfinals today yeah yeah which means we only have matches in the afternoon which is a blessing a blessing yes it is uh, match play when you do two 18 hole rounds a day can just be crazy it's a lot and i mean you and i both know we've been going yesterday seven o'clock in the morning till six at night then we had two stroke play days Mm -hmm. and then we had the 32 match day which was pretty much the same thing and this is coming on the heels of a week at the u.s senior women's open last week so I've been going nonstop for the past two weeks, pretty much. You uh, so you've been shooting golf for about twenty five years, is that something about right? like that? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. I think this will be my officially my twenty fifth year. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um, and you've obviously, I mean, awards upon awards. You've been in Sports Illustrated. Your work's been there. You've been uh, Golf Digest and, and just all yeah. all sorts of uh, of publications. And it's not just golf you shoot. You shoot. I do all sorts of other sports. I do tennis for the U.S. Open. I do portraits, uh, documentary work, all sorts of stuff. You're all so, over the place. So it's yeah. kind of a rite of passage here at the back of the range. Uh, you can't get too far into the episode without sharing a little bit of the start in the game. Now, you have a start in golf, and then you also have a start in photography. Let's let's start with golf. How did you get into playing the game of golf? Uh, my dad got okay. me into it when I was really young. And um, I grew up on Long Island, a town called Garden City. And uh, he's a member of a club called Garden City Golf Club. Sure. And, uh, you know, from when I was about seven or eight years old, he would take me out there and uh, we'd tee it up. He'd, he'd tee it up and then he'd take me out to the middle of the fairway and then he'd put a tee in the ground and he'd say, you hit from here. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's got some really, really good memories of that place. And 
um, man, it, it, it spoiled me for golf for a long time because, sure. you know, I, when you grow up playing in a place like that, you think every golf course looks like that, uh, which it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, you don't know what a tea time is. You know, what yeah. do you mean? I can't just walk up <laughs> with my dad and they say, yeah, go ahead. You know, there's nobody here. Go ahead. I mean, that. Um, so it took me a while to learn that and get used to it. But one of the things that it really did was a place like that taught me about the game and respect for the game sure. and rules and etiquette and everything that makes this game special. Yeah. Um, it was a really special place. You know, you walk in there, you see all these old pictures and golf clubs on the wall, and there's a room just full of nothing but Walter Travis photos. And here we are, Westchester, another Walter, Walter Travis Tra course. Yeah. Um, you know, so to be able to, not even so much playing golf but you know the memories of being with my dad and my brother out there and the memories of just walking through that place and soaking all that history in um it was just a really special way to 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 learn about the game yeah so, now that's yeah. awesome um and then you know photography we'll get into how you got started with that because um you know it's so funny here at the back of the range i hear all these like when i talk to amateur golfers that are you know maybe they they live in idaho and they end up like Grayson Huff, you know, mm. grows up in, in Eagle, uh, Idaho, and then goes and plays at Auburn. Or players that are international that end up going to Texas Tech. You know, mm -hmm. how do these things happen? And with a little digging that did not take very much, but you have a bachelor's degree in government yes. from Georgetown. Yes. And now you're an award-winning photographer. Last 25 years, you traveled all over the world, all over the country, shooting some of the, the biggest events, tournaments, mm -hmm. championships. Uh, and you have a degree in government. Yes. Okay. So can you can you maybe connect the dots from uh, the judicial system and learning about uh, that and government to having you know toting a camera around fairways? Yeah, I was supposed to be a lawyer. Like I I was supposed to be the lawyer in the family, taking after my father, and okay. you know sort of continuing the tradition. And uh, I picked up a camera in high school. Um, that's another story entirely. But uh, we tell stories here. Oh, we do? We do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about that one okay. next. But okay. I picked up a camera in high school and uh, really liked it. And when I got to college at Georgetown, I decided, well, maybe I'll try this newspaper thing. I've got my camera with me and maybe mm -hmm. it'll be, you know, fun to maybe work on the newspaper. Let's see where this leads us. Well, where it led me to was sleeping through my 1030 classes by about the fourth week of my freshman year because I was spending all night in the darkroom developing pictures and making prints and right. just getting addicted to that process. Sure. And my parents made the mistake of letting me bring my car down uh, the middle of my freshman year. And so I became the only photographer on the staff that had a car. Uh -huh. And I don't know what you know about Georgetown or Washington, D.C. geography, but the basketball team used to play at a place called the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, okay. which on a good day was a 45-minute drive from campus. And so guess who got to shoot all the Georgetown basketball games? Mm -hmm. And guess who got to meet all of the Washington, D.C. sports photographers mm -hmm. and start learning from them and assisting for them and the sort of network grew from there, and so most college students that have a car 
are real popular because they can go get beer or they can go you know, go to the parties. Yeah. You actually probably got to do that too, but you actually use that to network and further your career. So without that car, without wheels, yeah. maybe... I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have shot as much Georgetown basketball. I wouldn't right. have met the guy who was the arena photographer for the Capital Center who then would have introduced me to a couple of Sports Illustrated photographers. And that got me assisting for Sports Illustrated when I moved to Austin. And there we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Georgetown with such a powerhouse basketball team. Mm-hmm. So this is not just some... No, this was Alonzo Mourning and right. Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. And then right before Allen Iverson showed up, John Thompson, Big John was sure. still the coach. I mean, it was... Yeah. yeah. So... That's incredible. So you're really talking about being at the right place at the right yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's. <clears throat> so we're now we're talking about that's how you got into the game. That's yeah. kind of how the photography piece started in your life. Right. Let's talk about how did golf photography become maybe a thing? Because yeah, I, I, I don't know how easily that is to jump into. So I moved down to Austin to get a graduate degree at University of Texas. Sure. And like I said, I had made these inroads with Sports Illustrated, and they started hiring me to hang strobes in the catwalks at their basketball arenas in San Antonio, Dallas, Houston. So I started working for them. Sure. Uh, my parents still lived on Long Island, so I would go to visit them every now and then. And one day when I went up to see them, I decided I would go into the Sports Illustrated office and let them put a name to the face that they've been sure. calling to give all these assisting assignments to. And I met a guy named Ward Haynes, who was the golf picture editor. Every sport at Sports Illustrated back then had its own editor okay. for pictures. And Ward was the golf photo editor at the time. And uh, just I sort of walked down the hallway and introduced myself to anyone and everybody. And we started talking about golf. And he said, listen, if you ever want to shoot a golf tournament, nobody wants to shoot golf around here. You know, and... I can't understand why. Right. You only walk 10 miles a day with 100 pounds of equipment and of course. sweltering heat and everything. So, you know, what's not to love? Of course. Um, he said, no, but seriously, just if, if something comes up and you want to go shoot a golf tournament or something, if something's near you, give me a call. Let me know. And uh, about August, early September of 1996, I called Ward because I had heard on the radio, I said, Ward, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's this. Texas Open down in San Antonio in a couple of weeks, and this, this Tiger Woods guy just committed to go play in it. Yes, and, and this is said, and this is like right after he turns pro. Yeah. He, he wins the USM yep. at at Pumpkin Ridge in '96, yep. so yep. he's off to the races. Hello world, hello world. Well, right. so Ward then, small world, says to me, "Well, I just handed over the golf photo editing duties to a new guy. His name is Matt Janella." And so talked to him. Okay. And so that was the first time that Matt and I ever talked. Um, and he said, oh, absolutely. You know, here's the deal. We'll get you your credentials. We'll give you an assignment and the whole thing. And so not only was that my first Sports Illustrated assignment, it was the first golf tournament I'd ever shot. First golf I mean, tournament you ever no shot? No clue. Tiger Woods. First tournament I ever shot, Tiger Woods. PGA Tour. PGA Tour, yeah. Texas Open. So you don't really understand exactly how to navigate around a golf course yet. You don't really understand maybe, um, you know, because it's it's still taking me time to figure out, okay, how do you navigate it? What's sure. the do's and don'ts? Yeah. So yeah. even though you played the game, obviously you know. It was not a to- good thing that I had played the game because I had an right. idea of yeah. what 
to do and what not to do. And, you know, I mean, obviously I read up on things and you can't fire on the backswing and you can't do sure, all sure. of this stuff. And this is back in the day of film cameras and motor drives that sounded like shotguns going off. Okay. And, you know, so you really had to be careful. And you know, it's it's all roped off. And so right. it's not that hard to figure out. But still, I mean, I was nervous as hell. I just... Okay. I've never done this before, and yeah, here I am. You know, Sports Illustrated's paying me to shoot pictures at a golf tournament. What? Okay, yeah, yeah. So let's do it. So this yeah. is a pretty impressive uh, first start. So that, that's so. Yeah, and and it went really well. And I'm driving down in my car on Sunday morning. Um, Tiger is somewhere in the hunt, and my phone rings, and it's Matt. And he says, listen, um, I don't want to make you nervous or anything, but do me a favor. And when you see Tiger, shoot lots of verticals. Okay. He goes, because if he wins, this is going to be the cover. Yeah, don't be nervous, right? No, 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 no problem. First golf tournament, first Sports Illustrated assignment, driving down in the car. Three hours before Tiger tees off, shoot lots of verticals. He's going to be the cover if he wins. And. So David Ogren is the reason that you basically did not get a SI cover on your first golf shoot. Well, assuming I had a picture that was in focus and well exposed that would have worked, but right. yes, yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> Which back then is not a given. Today it's not a given, but right. back then it certainly wasn't a given. So Have you ever uh, shot David Ogren at a golf tournament after that? Have you ever I met him? Probably I never met him. Okay. I'm just curious. Uh, and uh Well guess I'm who's sure here outside waiting. Uh, yeah. Guess who's waiting to come in? <laughs> David, come on in. No, that's not happening. Um so obviously a lot has changed in the technological aspect yes. of photography. We'll get into that a little bit later. I promise to people listening right now, this is not going to turn into a camera uh you know uh, podcast because we can go we typically talk about this a lot we won't do that here but um as you said you've shot a lot of other sports yeah. football baseball mm-hmm. basketball swimming mm-hmm. rodeo yeah. um what are maybe some of the challenging most challenging sports to shoot for you that maybe when just someone leafing through a sports illustrator yeah. looking in a magazine or on a website and they mm-hmm. see these great photos. Yeah. Oh, nice photo. But they don't understand maybe what yeah. goes on behind it. There, there, there are a lot that are hard to do. I mean, I think the hardest sports to shoot from a technical standpoint are the sports where, and this may be getting too into the weeds, but that are strobed. Okay. In other words, indoor sports in arenas that are really dark, like basketball, hockey, rodeo, where what we do is we hang flashes up in the rafters to provide extra light when okay. we shoot. And this is not just me. This is all the Sports Illustrated guys. I mean, this is the way things were done for years and years and years. Right. And the problem with that is you only get one picture, single frame, and you have to allow three seconds for those strobes to recycle before you can fire again. So all of these famous, and I'm not talking about my pictures necessarily, I'm talking about all of these famous pictures that people who study sports photography, you know, basketball, hockey, even some boxing and some rodeo pictures from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, if you don't know how it was done, you can't appreciate that that photographer was pushing the button once and not using the motor drive and taking one frame. And so from a technical standpoint, I would say those kind of sports, those indoor sports where we use strobes are the hardest things to shoot. Um, 
a single sport that, that is the absolute hardest is hockey. Okay, why? why it so? moves so fast. Okay, you're shooting on strobes. Well, for Sports Illustrated, you were shooting on strobes, uh, and you're half the time you're shooting through a quarter inch thick, half inch thick pane of plexiglass right. that is not exactly optically sound. Of course. Uh, so to be able to get peak action, timed right, in focus, I mean, it's just... There's just a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, so, the, yeah, that that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. I know what challenges you face out here on the golf course. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, every time I see you walking in and out, you're basically carrying, I think, at least three lenses, two bodies, mm-hmm. you have a belt, utility belt, yeah. basically, with all other equipment. Yeah. People can go on your at several USGA championships throughout the year. Mm-hmm. People can go on USGA website. A lot of the pictures that they see are not, along with you know Chris Keene yeah. and with Stephen yeah. Gibbons. But a lot yeah. of the stuff they see is yours. For people that see the end result but don't see everything else that mm-hmm. goes into it, what is basically a typical day look like? Let's just call it a stroke play event, like you know, or a stroke play session. So yeah. here at the okay. Women's Am, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you have uh, you know 156 players. Mm-hmm. They're all going to play one golf course. So I'm right. making this really simple, right? Not yeah. two golf. Yeah, courses. we're not going back and forth no, with no, the no. 200 and no, some player. We're field. just yeah, going to yeah. call mm-hmm. one yeah. day stroke yeah. play 156. Yeah. What does a typical day from start to finish look like for you? Uh, it's a really Early wake-up call um, because, you know, your first tee time will probably be 7 o'clock. And if it's the first day when we're working a USGA event, you have to have the first ball. Absolutely positive. There are are three pictures that you need to have at a USGA uh, event. Um, And not not talking the U.S. Open or anything, but but a U.S. amateur, a mid-am. You have to have the winner with the trophy. At the end of the day on Sunday or the last day, you have to have the medalist in stroke play, and you have to have the first ball. If you don't bring home all three of those, it's probably the last USGA championship you'll ever shoot. So you cannot, absolutely cannot, under any circumstances, miss the first ball. So if it's a 7 o'clock tea time, I want to be here latest 6 a.m., if not earlier, not only to make sure that I don't miss that first ball, but there's stuff going on early. You know, the sun's coming up. You have really nice light. Uh, they want a photo gallery to start as early as possible. So if I can give them a couple of pictures of players warming up on the driving range, volunteers helping out on the driving Flag range. sticks going in. Yeah, maintenance crew sure. taking care of the green with a nice sunrise or something like that. You know, th- those are all pictures to be made. So uh, it's usually, uh, you know, depending on the drive from the hotel to the golf course, a 4.30 wake-up call, something like that. Get out here. Uh, I usually uh, go straight to the range with, like, one camera from sure. the parking lot and just walk up and down, and if there's a nice picture to do that, then I come back into the media center and I start putting all of my gear together. Mm-hmm. And this is, mind you, you know, making sure the night before all your batteries are charged. Sure, sure. Every all your peripherals are taken right. care of. That that's all done the night before, uh, and then I'm out. You know, 15 minutes before first ball at the first tee to see what it looks like and where I'm going to shoot this from. You know, doing something for the USGA, for example, I consider them not so much an editorial client as a commercial client. Um, so you're looking for branding. You're looking for you know how do I work a tee marker or the podium into this 
sort of unobtrusively without it being messy right. uh, and making a nice image for the USGA website, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So you, you know, it's sort of impromptu, but I like to get out there. I don't want to wander out there as soon as they're announcing the competitors. Um, and then you just have the whole day in front of you. We have to, you know, you have your list that you'll get from the folks in the media center. Maybe there are special requests um, from corporate partners, things like that, that you have to look out for. And if it's a golf course that I've never been to before, that first day is also a scouting trip sure. as well. Um, I need to make sure that I get the leaders at the end of every day. Um, but I also need to just kind of, keep my head on a swivel and turn around and say, okay, this is the second tee in the morning. Well, in the afternoon, this is going to look really nice. You know, if, if, if I get to a spot on the course in the morning that is just not doing it for me, I still have to think to myself, yeah, well, what's this going to look like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Because we still have a whole second afternoon wave to play. Sure, and like if you f- um, if you see like the sixth tee box yeah. is up against the, the end of the property and there's like a chain link fence right. behind it, or there's like a slide from someone's pool right. and how you yep. realize I never need to go back That's right. there. Yep. Yep. I'm not going mm-hmm. there anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, and then, yeah. okay. There, there are certain holes that I will only see on the last day of match play because I'm walking with, there's only one group to walk with right. and I have no choice but to be there. Right. But that first day is, is kind of figuring that out as sure. well. Um, so, so you get done with your shoot. I know you're in and out maybe a couple mm, times a day. Yeah, you know, I'll come in for a bite to eat. Sure. Lunch or something or a cup of coffee or something like that. But then I come in and... And Then the real work starts. Then I have to ingest all of my pictures. Um, I mean, we are transmitting from the field. Um, When we're out there, my cameras have FTP transmitters on them. I have a MiFi hotspot with me. And so I am just sort of editing through on the back of my camera as I go and sending one or two pictures of each sequence that I'm shooting all throughout the course of the day. And that gives them the ability to update the website and to update the photo galleries and things like that. But when I come back in, all of my cards have to be dumped into my laptop. And then all of those images, which are raw images, we only send the JPEGs back to the right. during the day, um, have to get uploaded to the USGA's archive. So that they so, get everything. Sure. So And then I like to go through everything because... I want to see what I'm shooting. I want to make sure my equipment is working. Uh, I want to say, you know what, maybe if I were five feet further to the left or the right, this background might be a little bit better. Sure. Or maybe I could get a little lower yeah. here. Uh, or, you know, maybe there are some very specific lenses that I could use in certain situations that I only see when I look at it on my laptop screen and go, oh, wait, you know what would work really well there? Okay, tomorrow we're going to try that. Um you know, and, and make little mental notes to myself about things like that. Um, you know, and then there's dinner in there somewhere, too. And I'm probably not done, you know, till 10 o'clock, 1030, and then up the next morning and 12, do it all 12, again. 12, 15-hour yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. And how much do you love it? I love it. I mean, that's, you know. I love it some days more than others, but of course. you know it beats working for a living. I was just going to uh, say it's and 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 I'm on a golf course every day. That's your office. Yeah, yeah. And ninety nine percent of the time, I'm working with great people. You know, um, this is the one meaning the athletes, the golfers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, it's. Uh, Can you think back to a time where you were in panic mode and almost didn't make that first tee? Yes. 
Would you like to share that story? I'm not sure I should fess up to it, but let's just say it involves shooting the first tee out my car window, driving up to the clubhouse. Wow. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I was, a, I was a little late getting out of bed. Okay. And uh, I was in a panic, and I actually got to the course in plenty of time, but I was I had to pick up my credentials from the clubhouse. Right. And I was detained for 15 minutes by the security guard at the front gate who would not let me in. And as I watched the clock tick you're just like and tick and tick, I finally said to him, you're going to have to chase after me. And I drove through. Oh, my gosh. Had never been to this golf course before. And I'm just thinking, I've got to get to the clubhouse. I've got to get to the clubhouse. I've got to get to the clubhouse. And as I'm driving to the clubhouse, here to on my left-hand side is the first tee in the first fairway. And I just stopped my car and rolled down the window. And yes. That's incredible. Yes. So, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, yeah. Not every golf course is like that. No. This might be the only golf course I've ever seen that had a road running right behind the first tee that would, yeah. But, that is, mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah. That's, that's a great story. It also involved barbecue, but that's a that, story. So, Well, <laughs> I know how much of a big barbecue guy you are. If we go that direction, I mean, oh my gosh. Um, now, a lot of the focus on this podcast, uh, or you know, one of the things I really enjoy about doing the podcast and obviously getting into photography is the relationships that I build with the players. Yeah. And they, they at least on the amateur side, you spent more, a lot of time on the pro side as well, but mm-hmm. the amateurs love seeing a photographer. Yes. I mean, they're just so, they love seeing them show mm-hmm. up. They love seeing their pictures later. And yeah. obviously with technology now, there's a quick turnaround. Sure. We're not going into dark rooms. Right. A lot of times we can Wi-Fi it from our camera to our right. phone to text and boom, in mm-hmm. like two minutes it's there. Um, how much, uh, give me an example of some of the relationships you've built with with some golfers over the years that are seeing you more than once at, at your, you know several times a year or several times right. over the years. Right, How much fun is it just to kind of reconnect some of these players? It, it, you know, I, I just enjoy watching. I, I hate to make it sound condescending or whatever, but I, 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 I enjoy watching them grow up. Yeah. You know, I mean, I – and this is – I mean, we're – speaking amateur golf right now, obviously, but, you know, when I first started, it was, you know, oh, hey, yeah, I get to go shoot the Masters, and I get to go shoot the U.S. Open, and I get to, you know, shoot all these pro events, and oh, there's Tiger Woods, and, you know, I don't know Tiger, but, you know, there's Phil Mickelson, or, you know, whatever, Um, and when you're young, and you're starting out in the business, and that's sort of your attitude, and, you know, I'm out here for Sports Illustrated, and this is great, um, that's one thing, but, like, the the more I've done this and the older I get and the more experienced I get, the more I realize that, like, the amateur game is really where it's at. Like, I, you know, this is where you forge relationships with people. I, there are some PGA Tour golfers like David Toms and I used to joke that I was his personal photographer for years because sure. I shot a couple of covers of Golf Digest with him. And, like, every time I showed up, he would seem to win the PGA Tour event that we were at you know so, so kind of like the darren carroll mojo similar to the back of the range yeah, i mean you if know, you're so, shooting it of course you know yeah. so it's nice when you know we we would go and the usga has the champions dinner and he would be there and we'd be able to catch up and things like that, that right. that's great but like you know to watch somebody like cole hammer that i've been shooting for 
years now. And then to see him play that practice round with Jordan Spieth and Cody Gribble at Chambers Bay when right. he was, I think, 14 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then to you know watch him go off to college and, and all that. And I think we were – I was chatting with some uh, <laughs> some friends of mine about um, – future Ryder Cup venues, for example. And we're kind of like ticking off, like, who do we think is going to be the captain? Who do we think is going to be the captain? And like, we got to, out to like 2050 or something. And I'm like, well, geez, like Cole Hammer is going to be the captain at that point. You know, right, like, sure. And it's, it's, but, but being able to just sort of see that progression of these young golfers, kind of, I don't mean to single Cole out. I mean, he's yeah. a great guy yeah. from everybody else. But, um, but you know, people recognize you. They, they see that, you know, They've seen you out here, and they right. appreciate your being out here. And you get to know the parents, you get to know the families. Um, it's it's just a really great way of getting to know people and form relationships. And that that's what to me that's what this is all about now is watching these golfers progress through their careers. Um, and you know, like I remember you when you right, know, way right. back when. Yeah. Now, when you're so, out there, you know, this is something that I guess I it's. You, know, you see real raw emotional moments, especially yes. in match play. Yes, where um, there's the immediate joy, elation, mm-hmm. um, relief, and also the immediate heartbreak and and tears and and stuff like that. How do you you ca- you want to capture the moment, but also there's times where yeah. maybe internally you're like, gosh, this this poor mm-hmm. girl or this poor guy is just laid wide open emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I have a a huge camera lens that's mm-hmm. going to capture it so closely. Is there that internal struggle when you're doing that? Yes and no. I okay. mean, I you know, I'm I am a human being, so sure. I have empathy, and I you know, I, I certainly do not want to interject myself into sure. that situation. Um, however, I am also here to document the event and this is an athletic contest and there are you know what is that old jim mckay saying from abc why world of sports the thrill of victory and the The agony of defeat defeat. it's it it goes both ways and part of me has to have some trust in the athlete that they recognize that as well now does that mean if you are crying because you just lost your match on the 17th green that you relish the idea of me taking your picture no, and no. I don't expect you to. Um, but I would hope that you could appreciate that someday you're going to be the person jumping up and down on the other side of the green, mm-hmm. and you're going to want me to capture that just as much as, I, you know, it's it's my job yeah. to do that. Now, I will not get up in your face right. with a 24-millimeter lens and do it. I will keep that long lens, and I will shoot, as a friend of mine likes to call it, the 400-millimeter wide angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, right. it, you know, and that that's part of the reason why I do carry all of that stuff, so that I can maintain a respectful distance right. uh, and do that. But I really, I you know, I do need to, I do need to be out there for the high points and the low points. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about getting these shots. Yeah. It is not just you walk out there and stand and make no. sure no one's in your way and make sure... And then, I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes in to getting these shots. And I think it's interesting, especially in golf, if you have a player that's standing over a five-foot putt Mm -hmm. and doesn't stay in the present and focus on the process, they'll miss that shot. They'll miss that putt. If they think too much about the end result, you know, this is a birdie putt or this is to win, 
if they think too much about the end, they're going to miss the details in the middle. Can you maybe walk through, I'm sure you have tons of examples, but a shot, what goes into getting that shot before you actually hit the the shutter button? Yeah. um, I always tell people that golf is the easiest sport to shoot because players aren't going anywhere. Right. You know where they're going to wind up ahead of time. Right. You know where you need to be because you can see where their ball is. Right. Uh, and they do the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, on a rare occasion, you know, somebody will have a crazy lie in a bunker and they'll have to stand a certain way or, you know, fall over on their backswing or take their shoes off to get into a water right, hazard or right, something right. like that. But 99% of the time, it's the same repetitive motion over and over and over again. It's not hard to shoot, right? but it's the hardest sport to shoot well because what do you do differently from the two people that are walking down that fairway with you to get something that's not the same? Uh, So I look at where the light's coming from. Uh, I usually like to try to keep the sun behind the players because it eliminates the shadow from their hat over their face Mm -hmm. uh the later on in the day it gets it gives you a nice little rim light around them too uh part and parcel with that is the background i like to try to find something clean hopefully trees um i could shoot them against a white sky too but you know or a blue sky or something like that but something uh that doesn't have a whole lot of ropes or some random person or or, yeah trash can right right yeah uh, unless the sign sort of adds to the context of sure. the picture, you know, a whole sign with, you know, again, get back to that branding, branding thing yeah. for PGA of America events or USGA events or whatever it is. Um, so I like to look at it that way. And then I, I've been doing it long enough that one of the things that I will observe the first time I see a player is how they swing. Okay. Where do they finish? Do they have a high finish with their club? Yeah. Do they have a flat swing when they take the club back? Is it going to be basically on a plane with their shoulders? Are they going to go up over their head with it? So all of these things sort of factor into how am I going to frame it up right. as well. Um, and then also with putting, yeah. how do they celebrate a putt? Right. Yes. You know. So, so our, I mean, I'm sure you can give an example of a shot that, you, that you're able to capture perfectly that was due to not just you standing in the right place, mm-hmm. but knowing how that player is going to react as yeah. opposed to, so do you have a... Um, I do, and they both involve Tiger. Okay. Yeah. Um, one was uh, at a particular U.S. Open, and I know that Tiger usually, when he makes a big putt, he will do the fist pump and spin. Right. Right? Um. So I can't remember where we were, but I was sitting right next to one of the communications folks from the USGA, and it was just him and me, and Tiger was putting, and he was facing away from us. Okay. And he leaned over, the USGA guy leaned over to me, he goes, I know why you're here. He goes, those other guys over there don't know what you know. I said, probably. And he makes the putt, and he spins, and he Right in your face. Of course, turns right back at me, right? So I felt pretty good about that. That was great. Now, let's fast forward to 2008, Tiger at Torrey Pines. I was shooting for Golf World, and I was the freelancer. 
We had three staff photographers, Steve Zerley, Dom Furor, J.D. Cuban, and then I was the freelancer. So I got what was the fourth position on the green. Because on 18, we figure out where we all want to, you know, where everybody should be, and we make sure that we're all... And it's perfectly understandable. I mean, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I get... At, at Augusta, it was the same thing. I was the guy on golfer's right going up the 18th fairway all the time. And that's another Tiger picture where he turned around and spun right at me and did it. Right. It was 2005, I think, when he won the 2005 Masters and was on the cover of Golf World because he did the same thing. He spun around. So I am in the fourth position uh, back of the green at Torrey looking back down the fairway. And we all know where Tiger's putt on Sunday was. Sure. And he was facing right at me. And I just remember thinking to myself, I am so, can I say the F word on this podcast? Um, you can say F'd. I am so F'd okay. because I know exactly what's going to happen here. Make it. He's going to spin. And I had him dead to rights, makes the putt, and I have the sharpest picture of Tiger's ass doing a <laughs> fist pump that you will ever see. Um, so it works both ways. Sure. But, you know, knowing that, uh, oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, um, I love these stories. They're so great. Any, any. Uh, well, you've already told the story about being late. To, well, almost being late to the first yes. team, getting chased by security, which is, <laughs> that's the coolest thing. Um, have you? Now, I think a lot of people know the that you know. We're talking about Tiger. You know, Stevie Williams was on his back yeah. for many years, yeah. and there's that famous story or famous incident where he basically takes a camera from a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had any? Maybe not. Those kind of violent moments, but mm -hmm. maybe moments on there where, um, you know, you have a player or an official or maybe someone in the gallery that is, I mean, how do you kind of maintain and do your job in scenarios where there's people that, you know, truly don't yeah. have, have issues with you, photographers? You have to be really careful. And a lot of it, there are times when I'll see certain photographers, and I'm not going to name them, but, sure. uh, you know, out there, and I will stay away from them. Because I don't want to be anywhere near them because I know that they don't know what they're doing. Or okay. I know that they will fire on somebody's back. Or there's a there's a pretty good chance that they will. Right. Um, you know, there there aren't as many of us out there now, but there used to be sort of a really regular core of people from SI and Golf Digest and Golf World and the wires that would go out and cover everything. And we got to know each other. And you kind of stuck together and if there was somebody new you kind of had to mm -hmm. does this person know what they're doing are they safe to be around and occasionally we'll nudge people too you know if somebody fires on a person's practice swing you kind of say to them hey listen you shouldn't do that because it's right. not good for any of no, us no no um, you'll, you'll be guilty by you association know, i'm not trying to be a dick i'm i'm right. just trying to let you know that right you know if you do it they're yeah. going to turn around and look at all 10 of us back here well, I think you told me a story at Merido at the U.S. Amateur Four Ball, hmm. something similar like that, where if one photographer does something wrong, it could literally lose all of the privileges of. The oh yeah, I mean that, yeah. that that's you know I look at what happened at Augusta years ago with Phil. Um, there was a tower behind 18T, and I mean the savvier golf fans among us will remember Fred Vujicic's Sports Illustrated masterpiece cover taken from an elevated spot, Tiger on the backswing in the red on 18, looking right through those trees. Yeah. It's probably 
the greatest golf picture ever taken and certainly one of the most amazing Sports Illustrated covers ever taken. But Fred took it with a rangefinder camera, a Mia 7, I think it was, um, which makes a very tiny click, but because there's no mirror in it, unless you're two feet away from it, you could never hear it. it. And so he took that picture knowing he was using that equipment, knowing that it was safe and whatever. Uh, Fast forward a couple of years and Phil's on 18 and somebody just lets loose in that tower. Um, That tower has not gone up since. Wow. Gone. 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 And you can't blame Augusta for it. Of course not. Um, It just, you can't do it anymore. And that, that person cost everybody that position um so that's you know that's why you have to look out for everybody well and the other thing too that i I know and i'm not well i guess i'm not sure what your thoughts on this are um obviously with technology everyone's got most people have an iphone in their pocket Mm -hmm. iphones have the cameras yep and we all see on tv i I mean we see it all the time people just holding their cameras up ipads up and i i guess that's good because that means everyone wants photos and they want to document history but you're trying to do it professionally in a sea of iphones and ipads all over the place um maybe what's a word of advice you can give to to people that are attending golf tournaments i mean obviously like i guess put their phones away or like i I mean well if you're not going to put your phone away turn the sound off right please turn the sound off i mean you're you don't need your phone to make a camera click noise to know that you've taken a picture but my god i i don't know how these people are enjoying the golf tournament i see more people trying to watch the video that they're recording of somebody trying to tee off when you could put the phone down are you really gonna watch that video ever again in your life i mean what what do you need that for i I don't get it i really don't get it um just take it in like enjoy the atmosphere don't you know listen to the sound that's the sound that a professional golfer's club head makes at impact with a golf ball is a thing of beauty like Put the damn phone down. Close your eyes. Go to the driving range and just close your eyes and listen to somebody hit irons for twenty minutes. Yeah. It just it it astounds me that the you know that, that people get so lost in their their phones and wanting to take a video to show their friends or whatever that right. you're losing an appreciation for what you're witnessing. I think um, without mentioning Tiger. Yes. Who is probably the most impressive golfer you've seen in person? Phil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, he gets himself into and out of situations that, you know, no mortal can. And and for that reason, he's just so much fun to shoot. Okay. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And I say this in the most complimentary way possible. Right. I mean, it's, you know... Uh, that Me. whole what will Phil do next campaign from 20 years ago that Ford did or whatever it uh-huh. was, um, it still rings true today. Like, Yeah, you, I mean, 18 shots of Phil in a fairway, who needs that? Right. No, nobody needs 18 shots of any golfer. Give me right. give me Phil getting out of the rough, getting out of a bunker, sure, hitting a flop shot any day. So uh, we're going to try something a little bit different here. This is obviously an audio medium. Okay. But... 
you know, we've been talking about your your photographs, yeah. and I, I want listeners to be able to take a look at some of these photographs okay. while we're discussing them. Oh, okay. So uh, you share with me five photos, yeah. and I'm going to put a link to okay. the website. For yeah. I'm going to put a link to um, either my website or your site. We're going to have a link in the show notes of this episode. Okay. There's also going to be an Instagram post showing all five of these pictures. Okay. So people listening right now can pull out their phone and or go to their computer and actually look at the photos as we're talking about them. These okay. are your shots you've taken. So we just got done talking about Phil. Yeah. So historic win at Kiowa oh, yeah. where he just won the PGA Championship. Yeah. And one of the most shared photos from that championship is Phil standing in the rough, yeah. a bunch of people in the background, and he's got his hands on his hips, and he kind of looks like he's batman or superman and just has that pose <laughs> and you took that photo yeah. and so this is the first photo we're going to talk about so people are looking on instagram looking on the website that's the phil shot we're talking about and you took that shot yeah. can you tell me the story behind that shot i just you know it was it was one of those phil moments like he teed off on 16 and you knew the ball was going right the whole time okay and it's just like holy shit where where is this thing going to wind up right uh, and there's a road, a cart path that runs up the right side of, of 16. And so I just hightailed it up the road and I okay. saw the ball there and I figured I know where he's going to go and it's not going to be pitching back out on the fairway because right. it's Phil. So it's I'm going to park myself right here. And if he moves me, he moves me. But if not, I'll stay. And a bunch of other photographers got down right next to me. Um, and uh, I just, I make it a habit especially with somebody like Phil, because he's very talkative. He and Tim talk about the shots all the time. Um, you know, they can get expressive when they're discussing what they're going to do, that I keep the camera up to my eye the whole time. Okay. I mean, I never take it down. Once I've committed to what lens I'm going to use and how I'm going to frame it, I don't turn around and talk to the person next to me. I don't pick my head up with somebody like that in a situation like that. And I just, he just did that. I mean, he just, he walked up and he just kind of, it was like sort of a sigh, like a, what the hell am I going to do now? And he right. put his hands on his hips and it was probably a second, if that. And I just, I remember I have one frame of it. I just went, did he just do that? Like, and all, and it was gone. It was just one, one frame and it was gone. That was it. Um, um, and that was it. Okay, yeah. so the, I guess one thing I have to ask as a follow-up to that, when you get that and you look in your camera, I'm assuming you look right in your camera after you take it, mm. you're not waiting till later I, on. There, or, there are times when I, I will look, but I might be walking down after the shot. Like, okay. I, I didn't go through right then and there, because, again, like, I don't want to distract myself. Right. What, yeah. But when but, you see that, you got it. Yeah. What was your reaction when you looked down and saw that? I mean... it was it was I was kind of, like... Holy! Did he just really? Did he just do that? Well, like, not just did he just do that, but you, know, but you got it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I got it. Okay, good. But then I also knew that there were a bunch of other people right next to me. So what I didn't know at the time, and I mean, if if somebody else has it, I haven't seen it. Okay, it's very possible that yeah. it is you know somewhere else. Right. Um, but uh, I haven't. I haven't seen it anywhere else. And you know, I I, I was. I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, that, that was pretty cool. But I also figured that there were a bunch of people around right. me and that, 
that was the I, I thought that was like the picture that summed up Phil's round that day. Of course. But I also thought you would see it on a whole bunch of different places right. too. So sure. I, I didn't think like, oh my God, right. you know, what what is this? But it, you still but, have that sense of joy but, when oh, you yeah, when, when yeah, you, yeah, yeah. When you, I'm, That's I'm, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm just talking about you That's getting a cool picture. It. I'm just yeah. talking about you yeah. like not just with Phil, but just in right. general. When you oh. get it. Yeah. You're, you're you're not looking at it like, well, it's my job to do this. Right. This is what I'm paying. No, there's a little bit more of a spring in your step yeah. walking down the fairway when you when you get a frame that you're really happy with, or uh-huh. you know that you either suspect or know uh, that other people don't have. Right. So because right. yeah. I mean, even though it's you're a little competitive with yourself, of course, of course, yeah. right? That's, yeah. Um, all right. Picture number two: Rory McIlroy, 2014 Open yes. Championship. Yeah. Holding the trophy. A little bit of a fist pump. Yep. yep, yep. Talk to me about that picture. Uh, that is the last cover of the print version of Golf World. Wow. Yeah. We were at uh, Hoylake, 2014. Um, they'd done the prize ceremony, as they call it, and crowned Rory the champion golfer of the year. And I was uh, still on the side of the green, and Rory's parents were out. Uh, at the little tunnel where you walk off the green. And I had seen them over there, and so I knew he was going to be walking that way at some point. And so I just kept the lens on Rory as he kind of walked off. And, you know, I, I, I do remember a bunch of photographers sort of filing past me as I'm still down mm-hmm. on one knee kind of following Rory. And he just looked back over at his parents, and he gave him that little look mm-hmm. and the fist bump. And I remember there was one photographer that tapped me on the shoulder. He went by and goes, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> um, so, but but I put that in there. It's it's one of my favorite pictures because Golf World. I mean, if it weren't for Golf World, I I wouldn't be here. Right. I mean, that was you know ten, twelve years. You know, Matt Janella was director of photography at Golf Digest for a long time, and Golf Digest owned Golf World, so I did my first Masters for them, my first U.S. Open for them. I mean, you know, it was you, instrumental in uh, in the rest of my photo career. So and then it's that nice picture, bookend. like, it brings tears to my eyes. It's, but it, yeah. it really, because we were at breakfast the next morning uh, at the hotel, getting ready to go fly home, and our editor-in-chief walked down and said, that's it, guys. Shutting it down. Yeah, so wow. that's the uh, that's the last cover of Golf World. Yeah, wow. Well, it's a nice bookend mm-hmm. to yeah. You have a great photo here of Tiger. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly unique. I mean, we've all seen. I mean, everyone has seen the pictures of Tiger from Tory and then winning the previous Masters. Mm-hmm. They're really the hero shots, I yeah. guess you'd call yeah. them. This is one of Tiger hitting out of a rough in front of a hot dog stand or a lemonade stand. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on in this photo. Um, and when you talk about like getting a clean background, yeah, this is probably not a clean this background. Was, yeah, this, this was yeah. This, so this is a very unique one. So talk to me about this. Uh, one. So this is at the Barclays at Beth Page Black uh, Sunday, um, and Tiger just yanked his tee shot way, way left, and you know, I mean, so far left that nobody ever thought there would be a golf ball over there because they put a lemonade stand down. Yes, there. Um, and you know. It's this whole phalanx of photographers and the gallery and everybody is just storming down. And I don't know why, but for some reason, everybody went over to the side of the ropes where 
the lemonade stand was and everything. Right. Um, all the photographers, I mean, the crowd was all in there. And for some reason, I just said, but this looks just fine right here. Why do I want to go across? I mean, I'm just staring at Tiger. And I said, right. all these people, like, this is the picture. This is not, you right. know, I don't need a clean background of Tiger wedging it out of the rough. I mean, th- this is... The picture is that he is in the and, shit here. This right. is trouble. And, it, and, it's and, com- and it's just comical because yeah. it, it just, there. it looks like he just started, it almost looks like you literally just photoshopped Tiger into like a carnival, right. or like at a state fair. <laughs> like it well, does, and that was just it. Like I, right. I was, I was going with all the other photographers and everybody sort of filed, fans, everybody just sort of filed across to get as close to Tiger as they could. And I just kind of, stopped and was like but wait what why do you want to go any farther i just planted right. myself and that was it i mean it's just i i just love the mess of people and just uh yeah i love that one yeah um another this is another one that's this is the final one in, in the collection that you just shared that i want definitely want to talk about you know obviously there's a lot you're doing on the golf course yeah. but then portraits yeah and it, this is just an incredible. I mean, I've I've seen this photo before. You shared it with me, mm. so I and of, of Byron Nelson. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just just spending time with him. Oh, because because I, mean, like, I mean the photo of, the photo's great. Okay, but the photo is probably not your greatest memory from that day. No, the no. photo is just yeah. I did a job. No, talking to Byron Nelson for an hour and a half in his garage is like the memory of that day. Oh. I just I look I. I am so lucky with what I do. I, I, you know, being a fan of the game and appreciating the history of it and everything, just to be able to get to meet people like that is just incredible. And I I make no bones about that. But um, this picture of Mr. Nelson was, uh, we did it in his garage. I was doing a photo essay for Sports Illustrated on former Ryder Cup captains okay. uh, portrait series. And um, it was very nice. And I came up to his ranch in Texas, Roanoke, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth, and uh, set up a studio in his garage and shot everything on a 4x5 camera, uh, which, you know, for people who don't know, one sheet of film at a time. It's a very slow, deliberate process. You take the film holder out. You have to look through the ground glass on the back of the camera, focus it, tell your subject to hold still. Cause now I have to put the film holder in here and then you take the dark slide out and you wait till your subject has an expression that you want. And you take the shutter, the click the shutter and it's one frame. And then you start the process all over again. Um, the thing that I, love about that picture that makes it special is he's got this little curl of a smile starting on his lips Mm -hmm. and he's not looking at the camera which my instruction to him was to look at the camera okay but the instant I pushed the button to trip the shutter his wife Peggy walked into the room and that's him and that is what happened in that picture. So that's, that's him, why I, that's yes, him looking at his wife. That's him realizing that his wife just walked into the room. Yeah. That's what I that that that's that's what makes that picture special to me. 
So that is not a pose. No. That is nothing. No, like- my instructing of Mr. Nelson just look right here at me. Okay. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw Peggy walk in and at the same time as I'm pushing the button. So you get your, so let me dig down into this a little bit deeper. You yeah. get your instructions from Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. We want Mr. Nelson looking at the camera. Yeah. And you get that. Well, it wasn't necessarily him oh. looking at the camera. Okay, um, so you want him I, facing forward. We, you know, it, it was a, it was a portrait photo essay on Ryder Cup captains, and okay. so I had discussed it with my editor, Miriam Marceau, was the editor for golf at the time, and we just wanted to do a series of very nice black and white portraits of okay. all of the living U.S. Ryder Cup captains. So I guess um, my question is. When you deliver that back mm-hmm. and share the story, do they immediately be like, oh, my gosh, yes? Not really. Okay. I mean, it's because they're looking at the film before I am. Oh, don't forget. Okay. Okay. I don't I send that in and they process it. OK, so they see all of it before I do. So okay, I so really didn't know that I had that until I got my film back from the magazine. OK, yeah. Because I was just curious how the decision was made to go with that. Yeah, one. well, that's my decision to go with that one on my website. I think I'm oh, pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure they ran that in the magazine. Yeah, well, I've seen yeah. this before. Okay. That's yeah. why. I yeah. Was, so I was just curious yeah. if that story had anything yeah. to do with. So um, no, I, I don't. I'm. I don't know if that was actually part of the decision because I don't know if I even told Miriam that story at the time because we were so deadline crunched. But that, that's uh, a, that's yeah, a, okay. Yeah. That, that makes that po- that makes that photo <laughs> that much more incredible. Oh my gosh, that what you just shared with those photos. I'm really glad you're able to do that because I think it's great. We're talking about photography, and now listeners can actually mm-hmm. see the photo itself, and you share the story. I think that's hope everyone really enjoys that yeah. aspect of this episode. Um, we have to talk a little bit about equipment because a lot has changed. We're talking yeah. about film. We're talking about dark rooms. And now, literally, you can take a picture, hit a button, and it gets wirelessly yeah. transmitted from the 7th fairway to an editor in anywhere in the world. Right. So how has technology changed your approach? Mm-hmm. How, how has, how has you know, the advent of mirrorless cameras, yeah. how has technology kind of changed the way you operate? Well... It's it's a huge change. I mean, when that back to that 1996 Texas Open. Sure. The first thing I did at the end of every day was I put all of my film into a box and I drove to the airport in San Antonio, put it on a commercial flight back to New York where the Time Life Photo Lab would process it. Oh my god. And somebody else would look at it and I would never see it until they sent it back to us the following week after the editor had gone through it and kept all the good stuff and you only saw the bad stuff. So now at the end of every day, I can sit down and look at my take and see what I'm doing well, what I need to do better, see different angles or possibilities. And maybe I want to try this or that tomorrow. Uh, So that's been a huge improvement. Um, the downside to that is it's a lot more work on the back end for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not just dropping my film off at the airport and going to dinner. Uh, I'm uploading. I'm editing. I'm reviewing. I mean, it's all it, it makes a long day even longer. Sure. Um, the new cameras are insane. I mean, I I shoot. I used to shoot Canon, and when Sony came out with a mirrorless system that would work for everything I needed it to work for, um, I switched and it's 
it used to be that making certain pictures was all about having to like compromise something. Like you could shoot a picture of somebody at the top of their backswing, but with the old DSLRs, you had to, in order to get a silent shutter, you had to single frame it. You had to do live view on the back LCD screen of your camera. You couldn't look through the viewfinder. Right. Try doing that on a sunny day. Not doesn't happen. happen. Or you could use like a silent point and shoot. Like I remember, you know, in the early 2000s, a bunch of us were doing that, we're running around with these little like Minolta point and shoots and shooting top of the backswing scenics. But you would get a file size that was like five megapixels. It was, it was stupid. You couldn't run it as a double truck. Like there was always a compromise that you right. had to make right. to do something different. And now, there is no, I mean, the, the same camera, same lens for every kind of picture I could ever want to shoot. They're silent, um, they're tack sharp, the files are huge. I, I just, I don't have to compromise on anything. Right. So it's completely changed the way, not only that I shoot, but the way that I look at a golf course. When I go out there and I'm like, okay, I can make this picture from behind this tee box now without disturbing the golfer. Oh, I yeah. used to not be able to. Um, yeah, I, that's one of the things. You know, I mean, so and I'm, it and opens I'm, a whole world of possibilities. Yeah. Um, and the other so, thing, like for me, you know, like I'm relatively new to the game, but mm-hmm. I love the fact that, you know, we, we both shoot Sony. Yeah. You're obviously way further, uh, uh, you know, down the line with experience. But for someone that's new, mm-hmm. it helps me get closer, mm-hmm. make, unique just so you said put right. everything on silent mm-hmm. and for someone that is maybe a little bit inexperienced yeah i don't have the i can immediately see the errors yes. i'm making yeah and i can change that right. right away but let's take that a step further too because okay. you and i are doing very different things on the golf course i mean yeah you're, you're doing still photos too right. but i'm only doing still photos right you're doing video right uh you're doing social Um, and when you think about it, you and I are pretty much using the same gear. Right. So again, to that no compromise thing, you know, if I wanted to start doing some video, I probably could, you know? Um, so you, you know, you used to have to carry around a video camera. If you wanted to do Instagram live or Facebook live, you could only do it on your phone. You couldn't, you know, you didn't have anything that would work for video like, you know, Sony can do now. So, um, you know, we're not very different in terms of the equipment, but I think it speaks volumes that we're able to do such different things sure. with that same, yes. relatively same equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, talking about, you know, being here at the Women's Amateur, and obviously there's, gosh, there's a 15-year-old girl that's still uh, that's still in the quarterfinals. Yeah. yeah. And, it's amazing. Uh, and I know that you're seeing parents out there all the time mm-hmm. and they got their iPhones and they, yeah. they're trying to capture it because yeah. it's not just them spectating some random tournament. Right. That's their kid. Yeah. Um, what is maybe some sort of advice you can give to a parent yeah. that would really like to capture a few images of their, of their, you know, child playing in one of these tournaments mm-hmm. just for their own personal memory. They're not going to have the equipment that you and I mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice for them that they can just kind of capture something? Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's just keep an eye out for your backgrounds, like just move around to get something clean so that it's, it's just your kid. It's not your kid and the ropes and the chair from the volunteer, Mm -hmm. you know, in the background. Um, 
put the sun behind them so that you can see your kid's face the mm -hmm. whole time and use a longer lens. Like you don't, you don't need to go buy a 400 to eight, um, you know, but if you have a 70 to 200, even if it's an F four to five, six sure. zoom, yeah. use that yeah. like to isolate the, the player from the background as opposed to, you know, a wide angle and stand there on the T box and right. um, make it, make it look differently. Make, make the, no pun intended, focus be on the player. Sure. Um, you know, it's just use a little bit longer lens, use a light them the right way. That That's it. It's yeah. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we let you go, we got a, you know, we have another long afternoon and yes. an evening ahead of us. Mm -hmm. We got, uh, we got quarterfinal action here at we do. Uh, US Women's Am. I love the fact that you not are, not only are doing this, it's a profession, but you're kind of giving back a little bit with your workshops that you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, and I saw this great picture that you posted about um, you with several other photographers yeah. in a bunker. Mm -hmm. And we're going to put a link to your, your workshops. I okay. want people to kind of get a, get an idea of what yeah. you do, but tell the story of how the, those started and, and well, actually, and actually is, the bunker. I love that story. I, I, I do this through summit workshops, which is, I did my first, one with them this year. So I just started doing it and I hope I can do many more. They do a sports sure. photography workshop out in Denver, uh, every summer. And, uh, I was invited to participate and I just, I loved it. It's, it's like a, it's like a family. It's just, you know, yeah. that I was, I was honored to be asked to teach because the, the faculty has been at it for a long time. And so I was the new guy okay. this year, which was fantastic. But I, you know, everybody just is, is so, uh, they, they just, they want the students to be better and, uh, they want to help. They want to see these folks succeed. Um, and so they asked me if I would do a golf workshop, How you know, cool as part of it, we do, you know, we go out and we do different setups. They did like motocross and we did a football game and, you know, so I, I helped out with, with a couple of the other things too. And we do portfolio reviews and image critiques every day. Um, but then we do little, I guess you could call them breakout sessions where we do different right. sports. And so they asked if I could do golf. And I said, sure. And a place out in Denver called Glenmore Country Club uh, donated their back nine one day and just said, you know, come on out. And I wanted to give the students the experience of what it's like to shoot a tour event um, or a, a tour golfer, you know, sure. what, what you should look for in terms of framing and composition and lighting and how you can work things on a golf course. And, you know, light is paramount to me. Like, where is the light coming from? How does it affect the picture? Uh, how does it affect where you position yourself? Uh, and so, you know, we were working on bunker shots and we found a bunker that was backlit and we just had everybody get down in there and uh, had a model just keep plugging away that's um, awesome so but we did you know tee boxes and fairways and putting and all of that and i just wanted to show them what different lenses could do what different lighting situations could do and i hope that everybody walked away with at least one portfolio picture that they could use and when they take so, the shot and they look in their camera and they and they have that sense of joy where hey i got it yeah how much yeah. fun i mean that's it's, got it's great and you know we do these portfolio critiques and the and and at the end of it the next day after the teaching sessions, we do image critiques where the students have to put up their three best images from whatever session they uh -huh. did 
the day before. And I would see some of these golf pictures up, you know, where we go to a tee box with some high fescue and the sun behind them. So it's all like this glowing grass. Or I set the golfer up on an island tee and I wanted to see who got the reflection idea, you know, to do that. And you see the students like shooting the stuff that like I'm trying to get them to see. And that makes me like, yes, you got it. Yes. Right. Yeah, good job. You know, so that's exciting to see stuff like that. That's like, awesome. You know, not not that I told them to shoot that, they, they, but I I gave them the setup and let's see who figures it out can see it. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. That's so awesome. that that was that was really exciting. I really love doing that. So this has been a lot of fun. It uh, has. I appreciate uh, the time, and I know we, yeah. we got to get ready for the afternoon. But um, you know, finally, before we let you go, what? Uh, What's next? What would be a career, uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, say what's the, the white whale that you're missing in your photography yeah. career, but maybe what are some of your goals moving forward? What are things maybe you haven't done yet or maybe something you want to try? I know you probably want to open a barbecue joint. Yeah, I do. Texas. I would love to open a barbecue joint. Um, I, mean, I would. <laughs> that's a whole, uh, if I, if I had any knowledge of barbecue to your level of knowledge, <laughs> maybe I can find a barbecue podcaster because I don't, I don't be an imposter here. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but um, what, what's something that you'd really like to, to, to do? I would love to get more into course photography. Okay. One of the things that I've learned a lot about over the years and not by trying, but just by going to all of these different places is I've, I've really learned to appreciate golf course architecture okay. and golf course architects a lot more than when I first started out. Um, and so when I go to new courses, uh, I begin to notice like subtle or not so subtle things about different designs and designers. And okay. uh, I would love to be able to do work that showcases that. Um, one of the things that I did during the pandemic was I got my drone license and I learned how to fly a drone and I could see, for example, that uh, lending itself to coursework and to doing more work like that yeah. uh, as opposed to action work. Um, not not that I don't like what I do, not that I oh, don't yeah. love what no. I do, but if there's one thing that I think that's missing from my portfolio as a complete golf photographer right right is the ability to capture the courses that we play these beautiful courses that we play on and the design of them and uh, what makes them different what sets them apart um so i'd like to do a lot more of that that would be sounds like uh, you're on your way goal, sounds so. like you're on the way to yeah. doing that well um Hope you can do it again soon. I hope so. I hope we're going to yeah. bump into each other at many more tournaments sure down the road. Yeah. And uh, Darren, thanks for stopping by the back of the range. Man, thank you. And there you have it. Special thanks to my guest, Darren Carroll, on this episode. Great information, really great stories. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everything you need to know about this podcast, every previous episode can be found at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you again next time here at the back of the range.